This is Reinvented. I'm Chris Bordoni, and this show is about the art and science of transformation. In season two of Reinvented, we're exploring ways to design a better life from your physical health to your mental well being and far, far beyond. In today's episode, I speak with one of my personal heroes, Tim Anderson. Tim is the creator of Original Strength, a movement to help people remember how to feel good, move well, and live better lives. I'm a huge fan of Tim's work, and I'm proud to say that Original Strength has dramatically changed my life. Keep listening to learn more. My name is Tim Anderson. I am uh, 45 years old, been a personal trainer for about 22 years. And um, right now, um, I, I, w- I would consider myself a movement education teacher. Uh, I just really, uh, what I do is, is I help people remember how their bodies are designed to move. And in the process of that, hopefully I help people become happy because once they realize or remember how they're designed to move, uh, typically the body just starts to feel amazing. But so do their emotions, so do their thoughts. Like it's, it, it becomes a whole, the whole person starts to realize um, that they are wonderfully made. So basically in a nutshell, I just, I really, I just try to help people feel amazing. There's so much in there that I want to unpack, but let me, let me start by sharing a little bit of a story just in terms of how I, I came to, I guess, know about you. So a couple of years ago, I was, I was feeling particularly broken. Um, I'd been through, you know, quite a bit physically, um, some serious back injuries. I'd had four shoulder surgeries. I'd gone through chemo and, and, a, and, a, and a pretty massive abdominal surgery. And so I, I was in a pretty rough place physically. And I remember I was doing some like functional exercises and I wanted more, you know, things that were kind of made you, made you strong, made you increase your capacity to be useful day to day. That's kind of the thinking that I was, was headed down. And I remember, I don't know how this happened, but I was, I was on the internet and I somehow came across a video of a guy who was crawling like a leopard. Um, and this was obviously you, Tim, and you were, you were crawling, I think for a mile or something insane. And I don't know why you were doing it. And I remember coming across this and thinking, oh my gosh, like this is someone who is doing something completely ridiculous, but I want to know more. I have to know more about what all this is about. And so crawling for me was sort of the gateway drug. I started messing around with that. And then it led me down this path into what, what turns out as original strength. And, and from there, it's been sort of this, um, this amazing life-changing experience for me, but maybe take us sort of take us to the basics here and tell me kind of what is original strength? What are the resets and sort of what's this philosophy based upon? So original strength is the, it's the idea that your body is designed to move. Um, and more than that, that your body is designed to be strong, uh, throughout your entire life, that you're not supposed to have a peak of good health and, you know, vitality around 20 and then decline from 20 to 70. That's not supposed to be the case. Um, so, so really in OS, we, we, we just see the body as a wonderfully designed, um, vehicle that we get to drive around in for while we're here that is designed to heal itself, designed to feel good, designed to allow us to enjoy ourselves while we're here. Uh, and, and that design never, it's never supposed to have a, a, an expiration date on its effectiveness or its usefulness. Like there is no, you have a, in your body right now, you have a movement operating program or an original operating system that you were born with. But you never lose that original operating system. Even if you live to be 120, you keep that original movement program in your nervous system. What you don't have in your nervous system is a, 
is a breakdown program where everything's supposed to fall apart. There is no program in your body that in your nervous system that says, all right, he's over 30, let's start tearing him down. That program does not exist. It's, well, it's not like a cell phone. It's not like Apple's planned obsolescence. Correct. It is not, which, <laughs> which is brilliant. Let's give them all the credit. But no, it, it, there is no planned um, obsolescence or bro- breakdown for the human body. Um, that, that's up to us. But, and we, we actually control that far more than we give ourselves credit for. Um, but there, in your nervous system, though, there is a program of health and vitality. There is not a program of breakdown. So, Tim, where, help me understand sort of where do things go wrong? Because I, you know, you see, sometimes you go to the gym and you see like the old guy who's 60 years old, who's, who's like super strong and has crazy old man strength. Right. Or you were a firefighter early in your life. And, you know, you see these guys who are just like, and women who are just like super useful, super strong people who work for a living, right? Like they use their bodies for a living. Like they don't break down in the same ways, but then sort of the rest of us are, you know, feeling like they're 65 years old at 35. Right. So what's, what's happened? What changed along the way? Uh, well, there's, so there's probably not one answer to that I would say the road to, to the, to Wrongville is probably wider than we think. Um, but for most of us, it starts with being, uh, sedentary. So, you know, we're all taught at a very young age, how to sit still and pay attention. Um, when that's probably the last thing we need to be taught is how to sit still and, and not move around. So like, you know, kids, we, we're designed to move and kids, you, if you watch a child, you see that they, they don't like staying still. They can learn how to stay still, but they're not designed to. And, and in fact, that design, all that movement is what makes them stronger. The other part. So, so as adults, we have spent a lifetime of our lifestyle enables us to, to not use our body as it was designed. So you know, we're designed for movement, but yet we actually take that design and put it on the shelf and we just, uh, we get sedentary, whether it's in a chair, uh, so many different types of chairs that we sit in. Um, or if we, you know, just some people just lounge around, they don't have to move their bodies as much. Now, the other area I think where it really goes wrong is our belief system. Um, I think a lot of us hold a lot of false assumptions or beliefs about how the body is supposed to progress throughout it's as throughout throughout age um some people have uh believed that you know some people actually believe that your body is supposed to start breaking down um once you reach a certain age or a certain milestone in years and other people believe that well i've got this genetic predisposition in my family so i'm probably likely gonna have so and the the body is so powerful that it will do what the the mind wants you know or the mind focuses on <laughs> so, so if you have a certain belief system that's negative, your body will actually help you express that negativity. It will find a way because it's a pleaser. Your body likes to please you. Um, and that sounds weird, but, but your body actually follows your thought patterns. Um, anyway, I think, I think those two areas are where a lot of people kind of go off the path. So let's, let's stay on sort of the mental part. Cause we were talking about this before. And I, to me, this is probably the one of the most powerful parts of original strength. And so the idea that, you know, as you're talking about, you're made to, you're made to move well, you're made to be healthy. Your body is incredibly knowledgeable and can, can heal itself. Um, but that also like, it, it's not just about movement and what you physically do. It's also that belief system. Yes. So I guess tell me a little about where did that, 
where did that thought come from for you? Is that something that you saw with people? You noticed people had different attitudes or is that something that came from your own belief system? Like how did that part enter into the, into the conversation for you? And I'm, it's almost like I'm, I guess I should have always known it, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know how sometimes you like, you have surface knowledge, but it's not deep inside of you. Um, I think it took time for me to see the miracles happen in front of my face. Um, and to see epiphany changes, like I, I could see paradigm shift on the expressions of other people. And I started, that started resonating with me and getting deeper into me too. And then I reflect, you know, and, and then you reflect on your, your background or your history or things you enjoy to read. Like for me, I found a lot of comfort in, in reading the Bible. Right. So, and then I would reflect on things like that. And then I would watch what I would call miracles happen out in front of my face and that really helps shift my own paradigm uh, as far as how the body's designed. That's really interesting. When you when you're working with clients or just you know teaching people, because uh, obviously your work and we can talk about this has, has expanded beyond just that, right? Like you're reaching a lot of people all over the world, which is which is pretty amazing. But when you're working with people, do you f- do you find that you try to start with the physical and use that as a way to sort of like backdoor into this mental change we're talking about, or do you find that it's helpful to start sort of with the mental part and try to make that connection first? Or is it like, you know, whatever works for that certain person doesn't really matter to you? So that's a great question. Um, I, yes, for all of that, I, I, what we try to do in OS and what I try to do in it's, it's an art and I'm still learning how to do this, but we try to meet people where they're at. So, but for most people, if you can meet them physically where they're at, it opens up the gateway to their mind because I have seen paradigms immediately shift, paradigms that they held on to for years. Like say, for instance, a person says, I've got a bad knee. I've had a bad knee for 20 years. If I can show them in two minutes that their knee doesn't have to hurt, or if I can help them discover that, because I'm really not doing anything. I'm just helping them remember how to move. But if they, the, they discover in two minutes that a knee that has hurt for 20 years doesn't hurt anymore, that creates the opportunity for mind shift in thinking. And, and then they begin to think, well, maybe I don't have a bad knee or maybe I don't have to spend the rest of my life hurting or feel broken. So then they have to wrestle with what just happened? Why does my knee not hurt? And it creates this opportunity for mental reflection. Yeah. It's like, you're like expanding the art of the possible. Like you open someone's eyes up to the fact that maybe things work totally different. Yeah. And and so the thing is, is they go in there with a belief, right? They know, they believe that they have a bad knee. They know they have a bad knee because they've had, they've experienced it for however many years. But all of a sudden, if that goes away and that experience changes, well, now they have a new experience that they can learn from. Yeah. So let's, let's take a step back and let's talk about the five resets. So there's, there's five core resets, right? And then a lot of variation and you're, and, and then some other really cool things, but tell me what are the five resets and, and how did this end up being the list? Like, where did these even come from? That's a great question. Um, so, so the five resets are, uh, breathing properly, uh, with your diaphragm, uh, activating your vestibular system through head control. That was number two. Number three would be uh, rolling. And number four would be rocking back and forth. And number five would be uh, engaging in your gait pattern, your contralateral pattern and or crossing midline uh, across your body. Those are the five resets. And literally, they are like pressing a reset button on the nervous system that makes the original operating program reset itself so that and get rid of the junk so that it runs the way it's supposed to. 
this was really cool because I started getting to original strength like right before um, we had our daughter. And so I've been able to watch how this played out. And I think the connection point to me that's so amazing is that this is basically the same pattern of movement that kids go through as they learn how to move, right? Absolutely. So <laughs> talk to me a little bit more about that. I assume that that was a big part of sort of the origin and where it all came from. So the resets are just like you said, they're nothing more than the developmental sequence that every child goes through. Now, I'll, I'll preface I, I should put an asterisk by that. Every child has that developmental sequence. Not every child will actually go through it due, due to outside circumstances. But that original developmental sequence is in each and every one of our nervous systems. If, you're, if you have a nervous system in your life, that sequence is in your nervous system. It's embedded there. And its job is to develop your nervous system and tie your body together so that you can live an amazing life, period. Um, and that, so that's where the resets kind of come from. So they are like ground zero, the very original movement programs. And if you go re- re- back to the very, very beginning by pressing reset, if you do any of those movements I was talking about, it's like going back to the beginning and you start your foundation brand new again, you're starting off on a clean slate. Yeah. And so I think that that's like one thing that's so fascinating about it is it's like, you're going back to basics, right. And you're doing things that look like either you're doing nothing. So you're laying on the floor breathing, right. Or you're, you're rolling around, you're rocking, you're, you're crawling, like you're doing things that, uh, look like they are not very challenging. And that's not true. Sometimes they are challenging, but the, the power is not proportional to the amount of effort that goes into them. Oh yeah, no. The power is the amazing part. That's that's where the to me that's where the miracles happen, <laughs> because it does look like nothing. And like for for our traditional mindset of strength, it looks like you're going in the exact opposite direction. But yet, it is the essence of strength, which is so. I mean, unless you, it's hard to if you, it's hard to understand this if you don't experience. And I know you've experienced it, so you you get what I'm talking about. But it's it it is a a mir- miraculous simplicity of power. <laughs> it's the only way I know how to explain. Yeah. Well, and, and so let me, let me just name drop for you for a second here. So, I mean, this isn't something that it's like a couple, I mean, there are some crazy people like us doing this sort of in their backyard and in their basement, but you, I mean, you've worked with the Cincinnati Bengals. I think you said you worked with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like you've yes, worked sir. with top athletes. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've, because of OS, I have found myself um, <laughs> around some very interesting people. <laughs> Do you find that it, do you find that it like scales up? Like, do you find that when you work with elite athletes, it's just as powerful as with, you know, regular people like me? Oh yeah. And, and to see their faces light up in confusion and wonderment at the same time, it never gets old. And that's the beautiful part about it is, is that they have a nervous system, <laughs> you know, they, they have that original operating system in their body. And so the thing about elite athletes though, is like, you know, everybody sees them and like, ah, oh, they're, they're so gifted and, and they truly are. But they're also people just like us, and they also have, you know, injuries and issues just like us, and they also have their own movement compensations just like us. So there's always room to go back to the beginning for everybody. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things that's that's really cool about this. Um, and maybe maybe we take a minute here and let's. I'd love to dive into some of your sayings because I think you have some really memorable sayings, and they're things that I find myself saying to myself, like when I'm when I'm working out, but also just in, in my work now, like I find it in random places, like just th- hearing you saying these things in my head, which is, which is odd. Um, but one of them is start where you are, right? Tell me a little bit about what that means and, and sort of what's the, what's the idea behind it. So I think it was a tennis, uh, star author Ash who had a saying, start where you are, do what you can use what you have. Um, and that is brilliant. So in OS, if a person 
is able to move, they are starting from a good spot. So we see everything as good, better, best. And so however you move, like, so a lot of people like to rate things. I don't move. I move poorly. I move bad. That's bad movement. That needs to be corrected. So the truth is though, is the body is moving exactly how the brain's telling it to, because it's working exactly like it's supposed to. It's, it's telling the body how to move based off the information it's given. So however a person's moving is good and that's, and their body's doing what it's supposed to do based off of its interpretations. So if, if a person starts where they are, that all that means is, is however they're moving is a good place to start from. And we can take that place. And from there, we can start stepping towards a better place to an optimal place for that person's body. Yeah. And this was something that was really cool. So I, I came to a workshop um, with Mark Shropshire and you were there as well um, a little over two years ago. And I thought what was really amazing was, so it was, it was really cool to learn this and to see some of these miracles that you're talking about where people are, you know, moving in ways they haven't moved before. But what was fascinating too, was when I looked around the room, like there were people who were doing things that I thought were just amazing. Like people just standing there doing, you know, single leg squats and things that are really tough physically to do. But then you also had people in the room who like for them, just being able to bend over and get a little closer to touching their toes was like a really big achievement. Yes. And so it's, it is interesting that sort of the start where you are, like what I think is so cool about this is that, that truly anyone can, can pick it up and get something out of it. Yes. And the beautiful part about that too is, is that let's say you're 78, you can start where you are as a 78 year old and, and you can reclaim some of your mobility and your strength and your vitality and your energy and your hope and your stamina and your, you know what I mean? Like even at 78, if you think the best years of your life are over, you can start there and, and literally shift your paradigm to explore and discover the best years of your life to come. I mean, it's really, it's amazing. Yeah. And I think part of what I really love about that is the idea that it's never too late. Like it's never too late to be redeemed. It's never too late to be healthier, to feel better, to make changes in your life. Like that's a really powerful and motivating message. And, and it is, but it's, it's, it's honestly, I mean, it's true. Like, so if you can breathe, like a breath is a reset or it should be, it could be. Mm-hmm. If you can find one good breath, you are one breath better off than you were before. It's fascinating too, because I, you know, I've been having a lot of conversations, obviously with people who've been through some just unbelievable adversity and people will say things like, well, if I'm still breathing, like everything's okay. And that to me is like, you know, is just such a wild sort of thought, but it's true, right? Like if, if you can breathe, like you've got something to work from. Yes. Like I've even had thoughts that you've probably experienced this too, where, cause you do go, everybody has their own trials and their own, you know, we all suffer in some form. So, and, and when it's our world, well, it's our world and that, you know, it's, that's where we put our, our focus on, but I've had incidents happen where I'm like, I could reflect on it, even as I'm going through it and be like, well, I'm still here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so that must mean I'm still supposed to be here and I've got a chance to move forward. So, yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's, a, I think a really empowering mindset to have. Um, tell me, you mentioned this already, but tell me about good, better, best. So, yeah. So everybody starts from good. Um, we, we, in this process, like of, of original strength, I guess how I see things has greatly changed. Um, and I used to be a very like good, bad, right, wrong, <laughs> very, I was very rigid in my, the roles that I set up for myself, but somewhere along the line, I saw that, no, there is no bad, there is no wrong. We can't, if, 
we don't need to judge things. We just need to accept things and we start from good. And we just take whatever a person can give us, teach them how to, to take what they're doing well and how to make it a little bit better, how to improve the information going to their brain just a little bit more so that the brain can give better commands coming out back into the body so that they can have more function. So all we try to do is start where a person's at, take what they can do, show them how to make it a little bit stronger, a little bit better, a little bit more efficient so that they can experience moving into a better territory, either physically or mentally, and then ultimately getting to what is optimal for them so that they can enjoy their life. Yeah. What about the idea of be your own chef? Yes. So, so (laughs) for that one's, that one's actually tricky for a lot of people. And that is more geared towards fitness and exercise professionals or medical health professionals. So in, in, I don't know if you've come up in this, but like, so in the fitness world, there's, there's rules and there's paradigms and there's, um, recipes, right? If this, Three then sets that. Of ten. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Everything's very regimented, very structured, very linear. Um, but the body's not necessarily like that. And especially the mind, the mind is, we are creative. And part of the beauty of life is creation. Like we get, like we're artists, we get to draw, we get to paint, we get to write, you know, write poems or whatever. But if you can honor or see the beauty in the body's design, it can speak to you. And once you understand how the resets affect the body or how, where a person's coming from, if you can understand what their limitations are, what their needs are, what their fears are, and you can see the whole person in front of you then you get to be the chef in your kitchen, which means you don't have to follow three sets of 10, five sets of five. You don't have to follow if this, then that. Um, If they can't do this, they should never do that. But make sure whatever you do, they don't do this. You don't have to do any of that. You just get to see where that person is and start dancing with them to find the best thing that their body needs the most. And it takes, actually, it takes a lot of stress off and it, it takes so much frustration out of the equation because if you're a good sous chef and you're just trying to follow the recipe, but the person's not getting better or they're not getting happy or they're not getting what they want or whatever, there's frustration on their part and on your part. But if you can see them as a person and you let them speak to you and you take that creativity that you have and the knowledge that you have and you learn how to marry those two things together, then you can engage with that person and find the path that is better for them than just trying to follow uh, a list or of rules or a line of thinking. Yeah, I think that that's one thing that's been a really powerful unlock for me is just realizing that it doesn't have to look or feel a certain way. Like Original Sinker has been great and some of your other books are amazing in terms of just giving me ideas, which has been really cool. But then just kind of like just realizing that, you know what, like do what feels good, do what's interesting, do what's fun. Because I'd gotten to a place for me, and I think many other people go through this, where working out was a chore. Yes, It was something that like I just had to do, needed to look a certain way. And I just hated doing it, which was weird because I loved working out. I was a, a pretty serious athlete for a period of time. And like I just got to a place where it wasn't fun anymore. And so I think this idea of Be Your Own Chef was, was um, really cool and really empowering for me. And I, I was um, home a few weeks ago at my parents' place and sort of, you know, trying to work out outside and it's like, okay, I don't have any weights here. What am I going to use? And so I was like, let's look around the house. And so I found, you know, a huge bag of dog food and a big jug of water, like a Culligan jug. And was like, all right, I'm going to go for a walk with 10 minutes and carry some things, lift some stuff. 
And that was fun. Like that not only was good for my body, but my mind really enjoyed it. Like I liked the challenge of, of trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do in this situation? And, you know, people were sort of like slowing down as I'm crawling up and down the driveway and doing all sorts of ridiculous stuff. But that was, you know, I was out there and doing it. And I think if not for a little bit of that creativity and fun, I, I know that I wouldn't have been. And how did you feel? Yeah, it was amazing. There's like, you know, to be out there early in the morning and, you know, like I said, using your body, but also stimulating your, your mind, like, and feeling creative, a little scrappy. Like I'm, yes. I'm making the most of the situation. That was awesome. You're playing and you're exploring and you're being curious and you're also relaxing enough to trust yourself to do it. And that's, yeah. that's the rub. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, one thing I want to ask you about this is so some of the things that you encourage people to do look ridiculous, right? Yes. They are things that are wild. Um, so as a funny story, I was, I was at the beach with my, uh, my in-laws and, um, I'd missed my morning workout and I was kind of feeling a little stiff. And so I started doing some resets on the beach, just hanging out. And then I was like, you know, I wonder if I could crawl up to the next beach. <laughs> and so I just started crawling in the sand and it was an, I mean, that was a really hard thing to do. Like it was a lot, hard, a lot harder than I thought it would be. Um, but people were just staring and just, just like, what, who is this guy? What is wrong with him? And, and my family made fun of me for probably a solid two or three days. Uh, but it was an amazing workout. And there's sort of, so I guess there's this tension sometimes between doing things that are a little different and, but that maybe are amazing for you, but then also sort of like the, the gaze and the judgment of the rest of the world. So as someone who's an innovator and as someone who's done some wild things, like how do you think about managing that piece of it? So what you're actually explaining in your example to me is the discovery of the path of freedom. So, and it, it I, I grew up a people pleaser um, and always concerned about what other people thought. And t- admittedly, there are moments where I still find myself ah, wondering about, I, yeah, I didn't want to upset that person. I didn't want to offend that person. But if we go around not doing things because we're concerned how we might look to others, we could, we're putting ourselves in a prison and we're not giving ourselves the freedom to explore our own selves and to be ourselves. I have had, I've had dogs stop and just stare at me like, and, and then I start wondering, well, what's the dog thinking? Cause I've, I've seen dogs get motionless for three to five minutes, just watching me crawl by. Cause they were so confused. Um, and, and, but then it gets to be fun though, right? Because I know in your head, you are laughing and smiling. You might've been smiling on your face because you get to start to wonder, because you know you're making people feel uncomfortable because you're doing something that they think is out of the ordinary. Um, and then you get to start playing these games. Like, I wonder what they are thinking, but you have fun with it versus like a con- condemning thoughts towards yourself. You're just having fun with, you know, what you're doing, knowing that you're affecting their thoughts a little bit. So, Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a funny way to think about it. I, I want to ask you about something else that's crazy. Um, so I, I was I was doing a resilience challenge with a bunch of friends where every week we would try different things, like you know taking cold showers, sleeping outside in a tent, like those types of things, right? Um, and it was it was fun. It was a cool way to explore sort of some of our limitations, and you know it, it was a it was a really neat experience. One of the things though that um, I was doing was taking like an ice bath each day and having that experience. And some people were doing like the ice bucket challenge just to try it. And, you know, that's like a pretty, a pretty shocking experience, but I think most people found that, you know, after, after you do it, like it's, it's maybe not as bad as you think it's going to be, but you did the ice bucket challenge every day for a year. Yes. Why? And what did you learn in the process? 
So <laughs> I don't know why I did it for a year. Um, so John Brookfield is, uh, he's, he's like a mentor to me and he is the man that has no physical and no mental limits. And he was just, he just encouraged me, you know, Tim, I really think you should start doing cold water dousing. I think that'd be good for you. Um, cause it would, you know, it just, it just helps. It just makes you stronger, mentally tougher and stronger. And then, and, and then he said, there are some other physical benefits, but it's, it's the mental aspect of it. Right. So I, uh, the first, I, I got it in myself. One, the day I started, it took the most courage. That was petrifying. Um, and then I thought, well, you know what? All right. The first day was over with that. Wasn't that it, I, it felt like I was going to die, but I'm going to try it again. And then somehow I just thought, you know, John said, this is going to develop mental resilience and tenacity. And after the first week, I just didn't put it down. And so even when I traveled uh, to hotels, I would fill up the hotel trash cans with the ice machine and I would get several of the trash cans and fill them up with the ice machines. And, you know, you take them to the bathroom in the hotels. Um, I would at the fire department, I would go to the ice machine and fill up a huge five gallon bucket with crushed ice. And that was exquisite, by the way. Crushed ice is so <laughs> different than ice cubes. Um, <laughs> Um, and then, you know, John would even, he would even challenge me. He'd be like, you know, the best time to do it is, uh, when it's snowing, take off all your clothes, go outside and dump cold water, you know, ice bucket on your head. And so I would do stuff like that. And eventually though, a year later, I got to the point, I was like, Tim, I don't think you have anything else to learn or prove from this. I don't, I don't <laughs> think you need to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Do you think you could have gotten there sooner? Or do you think a year was about the right amount of time for you? I am, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm like Rain Man. Once I get on a path, I will wear it, slam out until I until I just say, okay, that's enough. And for whatever reason, for that, it was the year was just when I I put pulled my head up out of the sand and said, okay, that's enough. Yeah, yeah, um, that's uh, a year is an incredibly long time to do that. I mean, I did I did stuff like that for like a week, and I was like, okay, I got it. I think I got the main, the main points here. Um, so good good for you. Are there are there any other challenges like that that you're cooking up at the moment or oh, that you've done recently? Oh gosh, no. Um, I uh, <laughs> it's like because you mentioned crawling, you know that that video crawling a mile and stuff. All of I think all my crazy hard days are over with um, because I've learned I've learned those lessons. Like I you know I know I can do something if I want to, mm -hmm. and I really so I, I don't have any other challenge to prove. Like I have nothing right now that I want to prove to myself because I I just I have this deep belief that yeah i can do that if i want to yeah um only because of the and mostly because of john brookfield's promptings to have me do those crazy things in the first place um but yeah right now um you know you, you said i have sayings the, the one saying i do say all the time is that it feels good to feel good <laughs> mm. so i am really enjoying um feeling good and i and i've learned how to make comfortable things or uncomfortable things comfortable but it's just like you like there has to be a limit to it where I'm satisfied with that. So right now I have no plans to do anything crazy. Tim, let's talk about Superman for a second. You're a huge Superman fan. Um, if anyone's seen you, you, you often were wearing your hair in a way that looks like Clark Kent, right? Um, tell me, tell me about, you know, where the fascination came from, but more importantly, like how does having sort of a role model or like a, someone that you look up to, or just someone that you kind of, you know, you you have a fondness for like how does that actually help your you help your day-to-day -day and help with the work that you're doing wow um so superman ever since i was like three years old 
you know, uh, I don't know if you remember underoos, but it was the the, sure. the matching superhero set of your underwear and your t-shirt. Um, I, I've just always been around uh, superhero type materials. On Saturday mornings, I would watch, you know, the Super Friends. And of all the heroes, Superman resonated with me the most. And I remember even watching, you know, in the 1970s, watching Christopher Reeve in the theater. Um, it, so that was just always the hero that, uh, that I was just drawn to. Um, and for some reason, as an adult, I never grew out of that, um, which could be silly, but I think it's actually helped me. <laughs> so, um, but that's, that's really where Superman come, came from. But like, and a lot of people don't like Superman as a hero, but I like him because he, he tries always to do good or to be useful or to do the right thing. Um, and ultimately like his character is like, if you just take a step back and look at his character, it's, it's just compassion. Um, but, and, and that is what I see as a, as a, a older adult. Now I didn't see all that compassion stuff as a teenager or even in my twenties or thirties, but I see that now. And I, so I've come to appreciate him even more, uh, as a, as a hero. Um, but, I think the point to that is, is throughout all of history and all of time, there have been, every society has written about extraordinary people and heroes, and they're all trying to do the, you know, good things. Um, so somewhere along the way, it just started creeping into me. There's a reason why those stories exist. And I think it, where I landed on was that we're all designed to be superheroes. We're all designed to be you know, our best selves, uh, to make the world better because we're, we are continually trying to make ourselves better. So I think that's where, where it started and where it has landed, uh, to now. Yeah. That's super cool. It is amazing too, how much, like how much wisdom there is in sort of hidden places. Like I, I was, I was doing some research and I went back to Aesop's fables, which I, I think, I guess I'd looked at when I was a little kid. I went back and was like, man, this book, this was written like 1500 years ago. And every one of these little fables is like incredibly powerful. And it's, it's cool when you sort of go back and look at things with a fresh set of eyes or a little more wisdom under your belt. And you can say, Hey, there's something here that I didn't see before. And, um, I I think that's really cool. And sometimes that simplicity or sometimes having, you know, an iconic hero or whatever it is like that. Um, I think that can just be a really nice source of support and motivation in your own life. And I think that's important. Like, I think we all need some type of motivational anchor every now and then that we can, can glance at to, to pick us back up. Yeah. Like you need that shorthand. Like you just need that little, that little thing that kind of snaps you back to where you're trying to be. Yeah. Cause even if you feel like you trip or you fell short of something, like I have even found myself and this is silly, but it works for me. Well, what would Superman do? <laughs> you know yeah. I mean, so, and it kind of helps me write the ship, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, last question for you, Tim. So for, for someone who's at home listening, um, whether they're, you know, someone who's maybe sitting at a desk a lot and wants to feel better, maybe there's someone who's a little bit older in their years and, and wants to get back to feeling good and wants to, to move well into their, you know, into their really old years, um, or for someone who's younger and is, is a, a serious athlete, where should they get started? You've written a lot of books, You've got amazing videos, like give, give people a lay of the land of sort of where they can learn more about original strength and, and a good way to get started. I think a good place to get started would be the pressing reset. Uh, I mean, the original strength book, pressing reset reloaded, mm-hmm. um, because it, it will give a person an understanding of how wonderful their design is. 
Um, and so that's a great place to start. Uh, if you go to YouTube, uh, we've got, I don't know, there's probably four or 500 videos now. And they're all, most of them are simple. If you look up any video about rocking or rolling or even breathing, those are fantastic places to start right now that will help start giving your brain great information about your body so that your nervous system feels safe. And then once your nervous system starts feeling safe, it's going to let you express yourself in wonderful ways that you actually want to. Um, part of that expression is just feeling good and being happy. Um, and then uh, if they're really curious about OS, we have the website originalstrength.net that they can check out our, we have articles every week. There's videos on that, uh, that from, from YouTube are also on that website. Uh, we have workshops if you're in the, if you just want to learn more about, you know, and you want to experience what pressing reset does to your body and, and you want to do it so, with a guide, so to speak, the workshops are great. You can even like Google, uh, Google, you can search for an original strength instructor on our website for one close to your area. If you just want to work with somebody that knows how to help you remember how to move. Um, so those are great places to start. Uh, and again, our, the, the books are, especially the, the first book is, is a really good starting spot for somebody. Yeah. And I can, I can actually vouch for that. That's, that's where I started as it turned out. Um, I probably have bought 10 copies of that book and given it to other people. And I, I think it is a really good way to just get introduced and, and see where things go from there. Tim, this is, this has been a, a real pleasure. Um, I mentioned this in the beginning, but, um, you know, you've, you've changed my life and original strength is, is a, a deeply integrated part of my life and something I look forward to, um, every single day. So thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for building this movement and, um, please keep it up. Chris, thank you so much for having me. This is, this has been a lot of fun and, and you've made me think. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much for checking out this episode. If this was your first time listening to Reinvented, be sure to click the subscribe button now. If you've been enjoying the show for a while, don't forget to leave a rating in Apple Podcasts. And if you know someone that would love this episode, take a moment to spread the word. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.